Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Tom, if nothing else, we are men of the people, and uh, we are true to our word. We said on the last podcast, if the Canucks do something you hear ahead of uh, the trade freeze and the, the roster freeze, the protection list, we would jump on the old podcast machines. And here we are with a special Saturday VanCast, because the Canucks, in fact, have done something, and I think it's been universally uh, well-received so far, at least uh, the things that I've seen and I've heard. Uh, Jason Dickinson is the newest member of the Vancouver Canucks, and they get him. For a third round pick. So all things considered, uh, this was an opportunity for the Canucks. And I think uh, they've done a nice piece of work here. Uh, no question. No question. And they had an opportunity, I think, to do more. I think there were two or three things that came down to the wire that they had a chance to do. Uh, you know, I think they were engaged in trying to move out some inefficient money. I think they had some options right into the wee hours before the deadline that or wee moments before the deadline, uh, you know, to land some bigger pieces even. Um, but you know, credit to them. There was a lot of legwork done over the course of the past month while fans, some fans have been like, Oh, media is overhyping this deadline. Now that you've seen Nolan Patrick and Ryan Ellis and Andrew Ladd, like now that we've seen the full Jared McCann, now that we've seen the full sort of gamut of moves from NHL teams, like this deadline over delivered. This was the rare deadline that over delivered on the hype, right? Uh, I set the over at 5.5. It didn't hit until after the deadline had passed. And now we're at like 11. Um, Incredible stuff. And the Canucks were in on a ton of it. They were diligent in pursuing this overall deadline as an opportunity. They managed to pull something of value out of it. And one thing that should be noted is in getting a center, They've landed like a premium piece and a premium piece, not not in terms of like Dickinson's a star player or anything, but a premium piece in that what's the hardest thing to find? Like the Canucks need D, they need middle six forwards, right? Those are available in unrestricted free agency. Like those are going to be available without an acquisition cost. What's not going to be available without an acquisition cost? Centerman, right? Like there are no centermen in UFA short of Philip Deneau, who's going to cost an arm and a leg. That you can go get Dickinson. They've, they've landed their center. They're now off to a good start, having taken advantage of an opportunity that they absolutely had to seize. And to their credit, um, you know, they diligently worked. They were prepared for it and they've managed to pull something out of the fire. Yeah. Now we say the acquisition cost is a third rounder in this year's draft. Of course, he's an RFA. So his ticket price is still to be determined, but uh, seems like the Canucks are pretty confident that, uh, you know, he's going to fall in line with. Uh, the money that they've got available, and and so I don't think there's going to be any surprises there. 
Uh, just to, to recap, for people that aren't familiar with the player, just turned 26 earlier this month. So they're going to get him for his 26-year-old season and beyond. Uh, was a former first-rounder, late first-rounder in 2013. That was the Bo Horvat draft year. Uh, career high of 22 points. He put up numbers in Guelph, like a lot of guys do in junior. Has never been a scorer in the National Hockey League. Career high of 22 uh, but hard minutes in Dallas, uh, penalty killing demon, uh, and and you know I think that that's a massive need for the Vancouver Canucks, right? Uh, they've been talking no about question. that for a while. We saw late in the season the revolving door of penalty killers and the open auditions, essentially. So you know pencil this guy in probably as one of the top penalty killers, face off guy. Uh, you know I, I, I sort of see him as a younger version of Brandon Sutter, where it's not about offense necessarily. It's situational. It's a guy that the coach trusts and can use late in hockey games if they're trying to protect leads. Again, key draws and can bring a specialty to the penalty kill. So there's a lot to like in this player. Yeah, he is. You know what he is, J-Pat? He is like the prototypical guy who matches the rule that the best checkers are the are the first round picks that don't quite hit as stars. And when you see him play, he's got that. Like he's got plus speed. He's rangy. Like he's a really big long body. And you can see all of those attributes that scouts would have fallen in love with when he was in junior, right? As like, oh, he's going to be able to produce. He's big. He's fast. He's going to be able to do all this stuff. And it's like, he he's not really, like, he's not going to be a 50-point guy in the NHL, but the skills that could have allowed him to, right, in, in another world, if he was maybe slightly more skilled as an offensive piece, still translate into making him a really imposing, assertive two-way piece, right? Like, all of that makes sense. Like, it clicks. It's kind of like uh, the, se- the big center version of Cogliano almost, right? Like, that's sort of how I'd look at him. Uh, Although Cogliano maybe has a a bit of a higher ceiling in terms of what he's done over the course of his NHL career. But it's the same idea in terms of the raw tools that people saw as, you know, having star potential haven't necessarily resulted in him being a star level player at the NHL level. But but the same at like the scouts weren't wrong. (laughs) What he can do just translates really well to making him a really good checker. He played top six minutes for the Stars last season. His defensive results are through the roof, way better than Brandon Sutter's. And that's a key thing. Like, you know, he's got the Sutter billing, but his on-ice results suggest that, like, he is what Sutter is advertised as, whereas Sutter is just advertised as that, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, and, and that's and that's a good piece, uh, especially when you consider the acquisition cost is just a third-round pick. Uh, not to minimize that cost, but I, I think that's, you know, the Canucks did not pay retail value here, frankly, right? Like Jason Dickinson at the deadline without the expansion pressure on the stars, he's going for way more than that. Uh, so this is a good arbitrage opportunity seized by a Canucks management group that hasn't always done their best work when working to a deadline. They did today. They almost got more done. Uh, they're confident that the legwork that they did will pay off down the line. And now and now they've got, given themselves a head start. Now they go into the expansion process. There's interest in Holtby, a surprising amount of it. Can they shed salary in the expansion process? That's the next test. Is there an opportunity on the other side to trade with the Kraken further based on some of the players that they select from other teams? Uh, And then you go into the draft and then you go into free agency and the Canucks still need another middle six forward, two more defensemen, maybe three, depending on what happens with Schmidt. Uh, There's still a lot of work to do, but this was like, this is like a running start to the Canucks offseason. It's something that they had pressure on them to do. 
to their credit, they were working, they were prepared, uh, they had their legwork done. And at no point, like, I don't think at any point was today a stressful situation for the Canucks hockey operations group. I think it was frustrating as some of the deals that they tried to do went off the board. Um, and by the way, by the way, I, I believe they did kick the tires on, on Mason Appleton. <laughs> I just want to note that. Um, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I think there was some frustration when some of the bigger things that they were trying to do didn't come up their number, like didn't, didn't result in moves, but I don't think they were stressed out. I think they were prepared. I think they'd put a ton of legwork in prior to the deadline. And I think there's some confidence that some of the groundwork, even that maybe didn't result in deals today or before noon local time, um, you know, will pay off down the line as the Canucks sort of move into uh, the other stages of this unique hockey offseason. Yeah, and they didn't get Mason Appleton, but Seattle likely will. So they're going to see a fair bit of Mason Appleton uh, within the division, I would imagine, uh, unless the Jets do something and and surprise us when the protected lists are released on Sunday. Just uh, one quick thought on something you mentioned there about, you know, guys that are taken late in first rounds. Uh, and, and I totally agree with what you say. You know, a lot of players are first round picks, A, because of their talent, but B, because of their hockey IQ, right? Right. And, and, if the skills maybe don't materialize at the NHL level, they don't lose their hockey IQ. And so you just apply it in different ways. Like I think of, like Manny Malhotra was a top 10 draft pick, right? Oh, Never. yeah. Manny Malhotra was such a prized prospect that the Rangers refused to include him in a package for Pavel Bure back in 96. Like people forget that. Like Malhotra is like the original, the best checkers are failed first rounders rule guy. Yeah. And, and so never lived up to the junior building in the NHL, but was always a sharp player, was a sharp player when he was drafted and stuck it through. And now he's coaching in the NHL. You know, that hockey IQ has served him well for for a long, long time. So I think you have to like that about uh, a guy like Jason Dickinson. The other thing is, and and I've seen Jim quoted already, talking about his character. And we know that Jim Benning and the Canucks value character. Sometimes it's become, you know, the, the butt of jokes and, and you know, how many character guys can you have? But remember that Jason Dickinson was right there front and center at the podium with Ryan Reeves and Bo Horvat uh, last year when play in the bubble was halted for the Black Lives Matter uh, protest. And this is a guy uh, and I know you've talked to him today, so yeah. we should probably... I asked, him, I asked him about that. I also asked him, because people forget too, he was, aside from Matt Dumba, who kneeled ahead of that Oilers-Blackhawks game that kicked off the bubble hockey tournament in the West, um, it was a couple days later during one of those round-robin games that Robin Leonard, Ryan Reeves, Tyler Sagan, and Jason Dickinson became right. the first four uh, players to kneel... Um, outside of like, like among players that were then going to compete later that game. Uh, I was at that contest and I think it was really important to Jason to show people like for them, for him, this wasn't political, even though it was interpreted that way. I think it was important to him and what sort of lingers in his mind is the unity that hockey players showed in just taking a stand to do what was right for a singular reason with a singular focus with everyone bought in um you know politics independent to just sort of um prove that people are wrong about the idea that hockey players aren't sort of doing anything about matters of of racial injustice and inequalities very bright guy dry, dry sense of humor well liked by his teammates um in general 
And, and I got that sense from talking to him immediately. Uh, you know, we talked about everything from his wedding plans. He, he's in Ontario. He's pushed his wedding uh, a, another summer. He was supposed to get married this summer. He's getting married next summer so that they can do the whole big shindig. Um, you know, talk to him about his contract status. Uh, a lot of this will be up at The Athletic and, and our readers can see it there. Uh, VIPs will be able to see it there. But he's a really bright guy, dry sense of humor. Uh, and I do think the overall leadership that, you know, the leadership role that he took on, uh, I, I do think mattered to him. And, and I think it mattered to him in part because of how universal the support for it was within the ranks of NHL players that were still playing in the Western bubble at that time. The fact that everyone stepped up together is something that I think is he's, he takes a lot from. I, I note this too. Uh, Jason Dickinson, as you noted, in Bo Horvat's draft year. So they're the same age group, both Southern Ontario guys. Um, Jason Dickinson knows Bo well enough that he calls him Bowie, which is his first <laughs> name. Um, you know, I actually, he was like talking about like the good young talent on the Canucks roster. Like, you know, Bowie, I've played with him forever. I honestly had to like double take. I was like, what? Who? Oh, right. Bo, <laughs> Bo Horvat. Um, so uh, same age group. They, they clearly know each other pretty well. They're represented by the same people. Pat Morris of Newport Sports. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot to like about who Dickinson is. I think we'll enjoy covering him. I think he's one of those guys. Like, I think he's going to be a go-to for us based on my conversation with us, uh, with him today, Jay Pat. Uh, but also, I just think he's a really good defensive center. Like, I think he brings a lot of what the Canucks need. Uh, the only drawback is he's not a really good face-off man. But, but honestly, that doesn't matter when you have Miller and Horvat and Beagle in your lineup that much, you know, like he's plus 45%. He's not going to kill you. And that's all that really matters. He gives the Canucks a ton of options. I also think Jim Benning sees him as a guy who can match from, you know, match up dependent play on the left wing as well in the event that they decide to fatten their lineup and play JT Miller at third line center. I think there's a versatility that he's going to bring to this lineup too, that made him an appealing target from a Canucks perspective. So honestly, I really like this deal. I think the Canucks did good work today. Um, you know, I was prepared to uh, say something different. Yep. <laughs> I, was, no, I was prepared absolutely. all day to, sure. to I was prepared all day to, to put the knife in. Uh, but ultimately, you know, not only did they get this done, they were pretty close to getting some other stuff done, too. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done, but this was a really, really sharp beginning to the Canucks offseason uh, for Canucks management. And, and, you know, we haven't had a lot of um, like deadline moments where we've come out of it saying, good work. That, that's that's what you needed. They got done what they needed to do today. Um you know, a good start for a management group that's been under a lot of fire based on how the last 12 months have transpired. And look, with the Olympics just around the corner, I kind of liken these weeks here to uh, the 110 meter hurdles. And, you know, there are still hurdles to clear for the Vancouver Canucks, but they got out of the blocks and they cleared the first hurdle. They didn't clip the first hurdle. They didn't stumble uh, over the first hurdle. You know, now they can hit their stride and let's see, because there is still plenty of work to do. Dickinson's a nice piece. Uh, but as we have addressed here on this pod for a long time, uh, there's still plenty of heavy lifting. But I, I would think that, you know, they do feel good and they should feel good. I'm with you that, you know, look, if it didn't go well here today, we would have said as much. But I think you and I both agree that this is a, a nice ad. And, like, this isn't a piece that the Stars were looking to trade. They were caught in the protection crunch and the Canucks capitalized. And so good on them. They had verbalized that and then they were able to put an action plan into place. Uh, I, I laughed because uh, I saw you tweeted out, and, and I know it'll be in your piece as well. But uh, Dickinson, does, he, he described himself as a Kessler guy. 
Yeah, big Kessler guy, to which I responded, to, to which I told him, I told him after he told me that he, you know, the 2011 team, he gravitated to them in part because he saw some of Kessler, like modeled his game a little bit after Kessler, liked what he saw out of Kessler, and, and to which I told him, I said, you know, Jason, I, I know Ryan, and uh, and based on your reputations, I, I, I just want to tell you, you're a much nicer guy. <laughs> uh, so we had, a, we had a little laugh about that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, he, uh, I, I, I like didn't even believe it. He was like, I was a big fan of Vancouver on their 2011 cup run. And I was like, what? Huh? Who? <laughs> um, so it goes. So, so yeah, so now we are at, you know, as we're recording this, we're now past the other deadline, JPAT. The club has, and I've confirmed this, has submitted their, um, and did so, you know, an hour ago, but they have submitted their protected list. Canucks. My Canucks sources, multiple Canucks sources, would not confirm the composition of the list, but I've been told there are no surprises. And to me, that means the, the following Canucks are going to be protected in expansion, J-Pat. Patterson, Besser, Horvat, Miller, Pearson, Mott, and Dickinson. Cole in, now exposed as a result of the trade today. Uh, Nate Schmidt, Tyler Myers, Ole Olevi, and then Thatcher Demko in goal. That is the Canucks protected list for the 20... Um, you know, 2021 expansion draft. Again, not confirmed, but I know there's no surprises and that's what it will be. Uh, I feel very, very confident, like projecting that like a TSA, like a CNN election result. So um, there you go. That's the actual protected list. Uh, the Canucks did in fact monetize one of their, you know, uh, vacant uh, protected slots and good on them. They really had to. I still think they could have monetized one on the back end, but I think as things developed, they decided that really their priority was to monetize an additional slot at up front. And they, and they did just that, adding Dickinson for a third round pick. Uh, so there you go, Seattle. Have at it. Uh, <laughs> and we'll find, out, we'll find out on Wednesday when uh, the expansion roster is revealed. One other quick thing on Jason Dickinson, and this won't matter to a lot of people, but uh, he wears number 18 in Dallas. Uh, he'll probably be able to wear number 18 in Vancouver, too. I would think that uh, one chapter of 18 is probably closed, but that's for uh, business uh, in the days and weeks ahead here. But uh, it might be a seamless transition as far as uniform numbers are concerned for Jason Dickinson as he joins his new hockey club. Uh, look, we said we would do a special podcast uh, if the Canucks made a trade, and they did. And so we'll have more to say. We'll get back into our regular routine on Monday once the uh, protected lists are revealed and we can scour them and get a better sense of maybe where Seattle's going. But one other quick piece of business that I want to touch on here is the day started with news out of Dallas with Miro Iskinen breaking the bank and breaking records for defensemen coming out of their entry-level deals eight years at 8.45 mil that's a hell of a birthday present. He turns 22 tomorrow, and we wondered, you know, who would be the first of the group to jump? Well, we got the answer today. It's Miro Heiskanen. How does this impact the whole Quinn Hughes situation moving forward? You know, to be honest with you, JPAD, I don't think it has a ton of impact because, first of all, I don't think Hughes is going long, right? Like, I don't think we're going to see right. an yep. eight-year term out of Hughes. And secondly, Haskinen's overall game, I think, is seen around the industry not just as being superior to Quinn Hughes's, but, but superior to Kale McCarr's. And as a result, I do think he was in a different class, like a different echelon. He'd sort of separated himself from the pack as a result. Not not from Makar. I mean, Makar has got the uh, the bona fides and the Calder win and the Norris nomination. So I'm not saying that Makar is a, a Makar is a lower grade of comp, but I do think that overall, 
you know, Haskinen's a different beast at this point in their career and based on what Hughes managed in his platform season. Uh, you know, the, the really interesting part to me is that Haskinen is now, you know, set a record for a second contract defenseman. He, he becomes the second defender since, uh, uh, you know, joining Thomas Shabbat to break through the Drew Doughty ceiling, the $7.5 million second contract that Drew Doughty signed in like 2011, like a decade ago, J-Pat, only two defensemen have managed to beat it. Defenders have not been subject to the same inflationary pressure uh, that forwards have. And what's really interesting about this from my perspective too, is Haskinen and Shabbat have one thing in common, J-Pat, they have the same agent, Ian Pulver. Uh So it's one guy who's broken the record twice. He's broke his own record today. Um, which is some tidy work from uh, from Pulver, a Toronto-based player agent. And a really interesting just overall uh, sort of tone setter, I think, with greater impacts for Kale McCarr than for Quinn Hughes. Well, I mean, you were there in the bubble. You saw him. and He was all world in the Stars' run of the Stanley Cup in Edmonton. 26 points in 27 games. Like, in the regular seasons, you look at his numbers three seasons in, 33, 35, and 27 points. And, you know, like fairly pedestrian, but we've established. I mean, this guy is one of the elite skaters in the NHL, and he's just getting started, really brushing the surface of what's possible there. But, uh, man, he was good in that... uh, playoff run to the Stanley Cup final. All right, uh, we'll leave it at that for this special Saturday emergency pod. The Canucks acquire Jason Dickinson, 26-year-old, third-line center, fits the bill, fills a need for this hockey club, and now we'll see what transpires over the weeks ahead with expansion, the draft next weekend, and then into free agency. So the Canucks uh, just getting started, hopefully, and uh, we'll see what uh, lays ahead here in the days and weeks uh, coming down the pipe. For Drancers, J-Pat, as always, we really appreciate your support. Before we run, uh, I should mention, because we mentioned this on the last podcast as well. Coming up on Monday, Pierre Lebrun and Sarah Sivian have a special edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Pierre and Sarah are joined by a panel of experts as an NHL prospect who was drafted last summer prepares to announce that he is coming out. You can read Pierre's inspirational story on this groundbreaking, brave decision early on Monday morning, and then you tune in for the podcast later in the day, and you'll find that only at The Athletic. So uh, check that out on Monday. We'll have a new uh, VanCast for you on Monday. So lots coming uh, in your way uh, here at The Athletic. So again, for Drancer, it's J-Pat. Uh, thanks for spending a little bit of your weekend with us here at The VanCast at The Athletic and TheAthletic.com.